You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Stacy Yen. Stacy is an actor who I've known for a long time, kind of around the New York theater scene. She went to grad school at NYU with some Evansville friends of mine, and I've always admired her work and her energy as a person offstage. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed editing this conversation. She has a beautiful speaking voice. She's currently a part of the cast for Miles for Mary, which is a play by The Mad Ones, which is currently being remounted at Playwrights Horizons. They just got extended through February 25th. And another one of my past guests, Stephanie Wright Thompson, who's a dear friend and was my guest on episode two, way back at the beginning, is a founding member of, the, uh, of that company, The Mad Ones, and is in the show as well. So if you get a chance, I hope you can go see it. I'm thankful for all of you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the 108th episode of The Compass. What do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? Yeah, I did know that was that question. And actually, I thought I had an easier answer to it than I think I do. Um, the dark side as an artist, I feel like I hear kind of two, two things come to mind in terms of how that manifests in my life. <laughs> the first <laughs> thing I will say, and I, and I'm like, uh, should I talk about this or should I not? But I'm going to talk about it, okay. um, is, you know, actually antidepressants, mm-hmm. they have helped me from going to the dark side. And after grad school, you know, transitioning out of, you know, into the world of sort of adulthood for the first time. Um, Because I went straight from college to grad school. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the adjustments of everything was just overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. so therapy became, you know, uh, something that was my first time I've ever done in my life. You started after school or while you were Actually, while I was at school... <laughs> I did. Because I know they had it for yeah. free at Juilliard. They, so I yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. No, I went upstairs. I went upstairs for a variety of reasons. I went upstairs for not just what was happening in Ron Van Loo's class, but what was like, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, you know, what was happening in my personal life. But it was yeah. great. So that experience, well, so I found it really beneficial. And then a couple years after grad school, it was just that feeling of like, ah, there's all these things I, I want to do, but I just am not doing it. And this sort of low grade sort of low-grade depression, mm-hmm. and it was recommended that maybe, you know, I pursue, you know, uh, a conversation with a psychiatrist and whatnot, and so when we did, when I was put on uh, a very, actually quite a, a low dose, I felt uh, like instead of treading water, I felt like there was a kickboard under my butt, you know, if, and I was able to kind of float, and, and I saw the big difference in terms of how I was able to work. Hmm. I was able to actually have fun, um, which is something that I hadn't been able to do amidst all the anxiety and worry and uh, sort of self-judgment. And anyway, I mean, sort of long story short, I feel like this isn't uncommon, but I became sort of ambivalent about being on it. Didn't think, you know, saw it as like a, a bridge to get from maybe my little island that I was on back to the mainland and and uh, so I sort of took myself off of it, which I think, you know, I've had 
other people in my life have moments where they do that. And, you know, I wasn't doing it under the supervision of a doctor. And it wasn't right. like, it's like, this isn't happening. You were not on a super, super Yeah, like, no, nobody's going to, like, go nuts here. But talking about the dark side and as related to being an artist, so I kind of, kind of casually, sort of thoughtlessly, you know, stopped taking it, thinking that I didn't need it anymore. But then I had this year... Uh, where I was working, I was doing a show in the spring, and it was actually a show out of town. And my husband was in the show too, so he got to see kind of the two sides of me: how I was working in a room, and then you know how I would be talking about it at home. Right. And um, I just was so distraught all the time. Like no matter what I would be doing, even the feedback was good, or you know I was working well, I would just be like, I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I hate this. Uh, I'd just be just totally bent out of shape. Yeah. And then it got to the point where we were performing. And before I'd go down on stage, I would be like, I hate this. I hate the audience. Why do these people show up? I can't mm. believe they showed up. And I go do my scene and I come off and I'd just be shaking my head. And, you know, my castmates would see like, geez, like, right. you know, Stacy's just like, she's really hard on herself. Or I was just putting myself through a lot and could not, could not enjoy what was actually a very enjoyable show, a very enjoyable role, a great experience to be doing a show with my husband. These all things should be like I'm working, positive, but I right. couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't working in that way. And then the, you know, the summer went by and then I did a show actually here in town in the fall and my husband went out of town to do a show, so I was here by myself. And um, it was a new play and there were lots of elements to this new play. Um, it was very a very ambitious show. Um, well, I mean, I guess I, I can be more specific about it. Um, it was a show at Ars Nova that involved burlesque. Yes, yes. I remember this show. Because <laughs> okay, yes. didn't West direct it? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm everybody involved is amazing. Very I, ambitious. Though. Very ambitious. And like Matthew, the playwright. It's like, uh, eager to Lose? Yes, it was Eager, eager to, to Lose, lose. Uh, which I ultimately is a show near and dear to my heart and I had a great time ultimately um but yeah Matthew wrote a crazy burlesque show in verse so it's the right. combination of a new play new text in verse sort of heightened but also yes we had to strip which yeah it was ambitious but I was game for it but anyway so the, like any new play it had its challenges but I just wasn't reacting well to um, to my own sort of frustration and my own anxiety, things that in a in a better situation I would have been able to have some sort of perspective on. Like after rehearsal, I would just be in tears because I'd be so distraught is the only way I can describe it. Yeah, and it, everything was out of proportion, and I, I sort of knew it at the time, but I also was like, well, there's valid reasons because what I'm this is a very challenging enterprise for everybody involved and when I do anything <laughs> like it I'm very um I have a lot of passion to make make sure that the whole thing is good which has its both um pluses and minuses I care a lot yeah and um I think people can feel that I care but sometimes I think the size of that um can get a little too big in a way that yeah. maybe isn't useful to myself well, and to maybe other people. And sometimes the circumstances are like, you just have to like let go right, a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> Which is like that letting go is but sort that's of... something you have to learn. That's something, yeah. That's part yeah. of like my my growing up 
is learning mm-hmm. to let go. And that's like a constant theme, both for me as an artist in acting, very much so, and I guess we could talk more about that later, but also, you know, in life, it's just, it's a, it's a level of experience yeah. and maturity and kind of going through it that you don't learn that. But anyway, I just knew it was out of whack. So it got to the point where <clears throat> we had a first, <laughs> we had an invited dress, which was a full house. And, you know, this is the first time you're doing the dances in front of everybody. <laughs> and it wasn't the dancing that actually made me, because I grew up being a dancer and I felt comfortable in that. It was, I was more insecure about my acting and like, this is uh, like just the new play element of it. And I remember being on stage and I will never forget looking out into the audience and seeing Amelia and Chad's beautiful faces, friendly, smiling, sweet faces looking at me. And I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Like I, and I, I had a, a panic attack on stage, which I don't think other people, I, I don't think it was evident to anybody else. Right. But I felt like I was going to black out. I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to, this, I'm living the nightmare that we have where we're like caught on stage without, well, in this case, yeah, without your pants on. But (laughs) I I was, I was fully dressed in that moment. Yeah. But it was, it was so scary because I actually thought I was going to collapse and, um, Yeah, it was crazy. So I remember going after the show, I was like, I feel crazy. And I remember calling one of my dear friends and just like, I was just weeping and uh, and sort of describing to her how I was feeling. And she was so empathic and, and, and wonderful. And she said, you know, I think you need to I think you need to go to a doctor. I, and she, she said to me, and again, like, I don't want to sound like I'm reckless or whatever. She, and she, but she asked me, goes, do you have any medication mm. in the apartment? And I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I do. I, I do have some medication that I never, never taken. It was for anti-anxiety. And I'm like, maybe I, maybe I should take that. I mean, it was prescribed to me. So you know, I guess it was mine to take, but, and I did. And that helped immensely and made it so I can go on the next day. Cause I, at that point, that I, quickly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, for me that felt that way. And it could have, it was probably a combination of talking, uh-huh. recognizing and sort of n- naming and also making that appointment the next morning to be like, I need to, I need, this is not normal, tenable or okay that I'm this, have this much. And it's not just what's tricky is, as with all this stuff, it's not just like, I'm not well-versed in the chemistry of all this, but it was very, re- uh, very real stressors that were acting on me. And, and it was um, very much part of my own constitution that is there, the, that darkness that was right. becoming that more, yeah, that was becoming bigger and that I just needed to, uh, it's all my natural tendencies, but they were, you know, monster size. So that to me was a big, sort of that year in brackets was a big year for me in terms of realizing to some extent I'm, I've, I'm, for now I've made peace that I'm like, you know what, I, being on this medication is helpful. I'm not going to judge myself. Um, I don't, shouldn't feel any sense of shame or like for instance, leading with this in our interview, hey. I don't, I don't feel I've like I've had many people say that that's an important tool for uh, them. Yeah, 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 and I think it's a, it's an important tool, you know, for a lot of people, and important um, in my ability to, to interface with the work, 
with yeah. working. Well, and I'm sure it helps you in your normal life yeah. aside from performing right. as well. But it's interesting when you have that very distinct something to gauge it off of like right when you're working on a show and you have to right. get on stage in front of people right. and you have to do these certain tasks right. like it's something that you're like oh this isn't how it felt last time or this isn't how right this i is, want it to feel right like, this is not me in my optimal this is not yeah. this is not where um joy comes from and and you and, can really see the difference right and and nobody wants to watch someone who isn't emanating from a place of a certain ease and joy. And I certainly don't want to be someone, um, you know, I want to be working from a place, a better, healthy place. It's not good for anybody. And it's not good for, for my fellow, um, (laughs) colleagues. Um, uh, but anyway, that being said, you know, when I hear the question of how do you keep from going to the dark side, my, my first thought is like, okay, the dark side, meaning the, when you're not working, when you're waiting. But then I was like, well, you know what? My dark side often has, the parts of me that can make it difficult for me to work and work healthfully have emerged when working. Yeah. Um, in the throes of it. And, um, that's just, that's interesting for me to, that's been, you know, it's been a journey and it's been about growing up and maturing and being able to be, you know, a lot more transparent, um, which transparent as, you know, as Stacy and also transparent, as a performer, it all, it helps that level of sort of honesty and just like, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other, you know, the other thing that I do in terms of like this idea of dark side, which for me, I guess I define as lacking joy or fun. Yes. For me, fun is something that like, I feel like there have been exercises where you're asked to be like, you know, explore what certain ideas are physically. And when someone says fun, it's like, I I become like, what what the hell is that? Like, I can't, like, I I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do fun. It's like when people use the word happy all the time. And you're like, what does that mean? I know. It's it's not not specific. (laughs) Yeah, it's not specific. And it's also like, let's not let's just take it easy. Like let's, there's a part of, has to be happy all the time. Right. There's a part of me that's like fun. I mean, cause I think there's a part of me that's a strong part of me that's kind of serious and, mm. uh, likes to, I don't know, but it kind of may have actual judgments around the idea of fun. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> which is bad. I don't like that about myself. Do you but, think as a person or do you like see yourself as like a dramatic actress? No, 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 like no, not, not as a dramatic act, but as a person, like, I don't, I'm often like, I don't want to go out. Ugh, that, why yeah. do people want to do that? That's, it's not get, your first instinct. Like fun, <laughs> pursuing fun often isn't my first, yeah, it's not my first, yeah. pursuing uh, like, comfort. It's so nice on my couch. Like cozy, mm-hmm. warmth, like I guess intimacy, quiet, peace. That's like can be fun. I know, and that's my, my so I guess <laughs> it's all how we phrase it. But anyway, but that is actually, when it's all said and done, I think in, I would say most people's work. It's the why we do it. It's because it's there's the joy and the fun. So anyway, I know when I'm going to the dark side, when I'm feeling myself getting kind of brittle, getting mm. my prickly, like in life where I can get a little, um, yeah, a little pokey around the people around me, or even around the the, the idea of doing something like a little negative, a little mm, to, to the point where you even can get a little mean. 
-hmm. terms of my thoughts or in terms of maybe how I am with my nearest and dearest. And uh, so finding a, trying to bring myself to, which is sort of the more fluid, like a fluidity um, and an ease. So the thing that that comes to mind that I sort of realize I have historically done and it's not because anyone told me to do it. It's just because I'm sort of drawn to doing it. So I like to go for really, really, really long walks, mm-hmm. which uh, like, I, cause I think it just, it, it ticks all these boxes of, um, solitude to reflect. It gets me out. It gets me out seeing things where I'm literally stopping to smell the roses, which is something I actually like to do for real. <laughs> I like looking at the trees. I like no matter where I am. I don't journal. I never, I've tried to, I have about a dozen journals that are, you know, two pages in and I just, that's never worked for me because I feel then a pressure that I'm like, am I supposed to refer to this? It's the same with notes I have from school. I've in grad school, I've actually disposed of them because I know I'm not going to look at them. I need, I have a box under my bed that I should get rid of I mean, and I haven't been but able it's, to. But it, it's up to, you know, there's probably gems in there, but something about that men- mentally hmm. doesn't appeal to me. And for, so I don't know why. Um, are, you, I have, do you, are you someone who like keeps photos? I do. Keeps I am. Memorabilia? Yes, I am okay. like, I, which is strange because I am very much like a little pack rat. Like I have, like I have a lot, my objects in my home are I'm looking at your, your yes. place I, I very much relate it's like I can tell you exactly who gave this to me where it came from why it's special and yes yeah. I may have a stuffed otter in a corner <laughs> I like yes I have some some very strange toys yeah it's it's yeah but like those things I I, I love so I do keep things but um I don't know why but so but for me walking is I will actually talk to myself out loud when I walk. Do you like to listen to something when you're walking or are you just with your thoughts? Um, sometimes there have been times in my life where, yes, I will have something that I'm listening to and it often will be a playlist or one album on repeat. Mm. Uh, it's not very diverse when I'm in that, but most of the time it's just, no, it's me alone, not with anything in my ears. And Actually, I'm talking to myself in my head, but also talking to myself out loud. And I have no hey, self-consciousness. No yeah, I know. Cares. I know. Nobody cares. And I, even if they did, I don't care. Like, it's just like, it's so, it's a great way to process. It's just my way of processing. And sometimes after that, it feels like the equivalent of, I would imagine perhaps what it feels like to have a really great, to be journaling, to be meditating. Yeah. But also the other thing that I... If we want to talk about compass, like the other thing that I feel somehow, I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of a, a motivating instinct in me is I do every day. I'm, I'm not intentionally, but I'm always searching for beauty. Like I'm a very v- visual person. I really do honestly can take joy in the simplest things like the flower growing in someone's yard or like a tree that's bending over the sidewalk or the, you know, or that, you know, this little woman that's passing by me. I just like, and I like to get lost and explore and go into shops and see what, how people are curating. Um, so something that's difficult, it's great to live in New York and, and you're interfacing with, uh, stimuli 
but I often, you know, miss taking walks in places that are a little more um, rural, where the yeah. landscape is, where the horizon is clear, um, that kind of clar- like clarity. Well, it's funny because when you first mentioned like getting prickly and getting annoyed with things around yeah. you and like I... I was just gone for a couple of days and like this morning getting on the train, yeah. I just found myself or even last night, like getting out of the airport. Yeah. <laughs> like, I found myself immediately like getting bristly with people in my head and yeah, angry yeah, yeah. at people's yeah. just like cutting me off and walk. I get like road right. rage walking and kind of like swearing at people in my head yeah. who are being rude on the subway. And so I see that as sometimes a negative of the city that I love, but then picturing taking a long walk when you're not, needing to go anywhere right. is also very meditative for me. Like I see both. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and somehow separate, but I wonder, you know, it's hard to get that flow in, in the daily life. Right. Yeah, totally. When you're not taking your two hour walk. Totally. Somewhere. Totally. And so like the pl- times when I'm not working or have the anxiety about like, I'm not auditioning what's going on, uh-huh. what's happening with my life. And, um, if there is that time and, you know, I don't have a day job to go to or something like that. I'm very comfortable and very happy to have the solitude and to have that unstructured time to um, just kind of, you know, be like a little creature in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, that's just the way it's, yeah. I, and I, I, and I tend to be a person who I don't put music on in the house. I don't, that does I put on NPR in the morning when I, you know, do dishes and stuff like that. But I don't, I like quiet and I like, I like sitting and imagining and daydreaming and, and all that stuff. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up more in the country or? No, I grew up, um, in Davis, California, which I don't, did you see Lady Bird? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I watched that two nights ago and, um, I, it really, I mean, it literally hit close to home because that is where I grew up. <laughs> It's, that took place in Sacramento, but Davis right. is what, like 15, 19 miles outside. It's, oh, okay. yeah. So UC Davis is, and there's a university there. It's a, it's a great place to grow up. Very, um, like everyone played soccer on the weekends. I didn't, but everybody played soccer. <laughs> it's like, it's got a great public school system. Um, you know, it is surrounded by agriculture and country. Um, but yeah, the, seeing Lady Bird was just like, it, it, it really hit close to home because I like that main character were very, very different and had very different, um, family lives. But like, um, I had that very ingrained yearning to go to an East coast liberal arts school. I knew very much. I wanted to get out of California, not because Mm -hmm. I didn't like it, but I knew that if I didn't, I would be stuck there because I wouldn't necessarily trust myself to have the, that sort of bravery to seize another opportunity to to fly away from home do you remember when you realized that or when you got that idea I feel like it was I feel like it was really early on and actually what's funny is I ended up going to Brown Mm -hmm. and I remember I was must have been in junior high like seventh grade or something and I remember seeing a friend's older sister in the newspaper. She was playing field hockey, and she must have been in high school. And they were t- they were talking about like where would you might want to go to college? And she mentioned Brown. And I remember asking my dad, I was like, "What's this Brown?" And he said, "Oh, you know, it's it's a really great 
it's a really great school. And he told me a bit about it. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, that sounds really good. I like it fit in my sort of image of what I, the romantic image I had of what <laughs> college could be. And what's funny is I, so Brown stuck with me. Um, I also remember him saying JFK Jr. went there. And for some reason that made it appealing. <laughs> um, and in high school, I don't remember what the sort of award was. I don't remember it at all, actually. It was some sort of academic award, or it might have been related to doing drama. I don't remember. But I was presented, a bunch of us were presented with these sort of um, awards that were sort of related to a university, you know, and I only, I don't remember why, but I was given a dictionary that had Brown University inscribed hmm. um, in it. And I don't remember who sponsored it or why, but I took it as very much of like, oh, as a sign. Like, to me. I was like, yeah, which a lot of my early, a lot of my choices in my life have happened that way in my consciousness. <laughs> We're all like something like a penny will drop and I'll be like, I don't know why this information huh. is, uh, I don't know what this means right now, but I feel like I'm, it's going to come back to me later. And it, that That's has happened. That has happened very much. Like the other college that I was really sort of in love with. And all again, all these colleges, it was my dad, you know, really piping in on, I think he too kind of had this, he liked the idea if I wanted to go to the East Coast. He had lots of thoughts about it and was really supportive. And But the other one uh, was Williams. And I actually, you know, we went and visited the campus and all that stuff and really liked it there. And then when I was there, I remember we saw something at the Williamstown Theater Festival. And again, my dad, he's a doctor. And um, I remember when we were talking about colleges, he's like, Williams is a great school. He was really jazzed about that idea because I think he had a romantic vision in his head about uh, college. <laughs> and um, he's like, there's a great theater festival. And I, it's funny that my dad knew that. Because, yeah. Yeah, my dad. You know, All right. Yeah, he knew what I, he was doing. He, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if he knew what he was doing. He, I don't think he was trying to encourage me to be an actor, but he knew I liked to do it. Um, but I think that helped with the uh, allure. But anyway, I bring up Williams because when I was in college, um, like I my second sophomore year I, that was when I f took my first acting class mm. and it was very scary it was very intense but um uh Lowry Marshall who was the professor of acting there um she mentioned to me she's like I think because she would uh teach up there and and her son um also had done some summer she goes I think you would really like it up there I think I think that might be a good place for you and actually that summer I did apply to be an apprentice and it was a very transformative big moment in my life um, in terms of what I was able to do there, um, I got cast in a main stage show, which was in a, in a nice role, which was sort of at the time kind of was supposed to be a non-actor. and Right. Right. And so that was sort of like, ooh, maybe I can do this. And just meeting all of the, all the different actors and stuff like that. But I, I say that because years ago when I was thinking about college, when we had gone to Williamstown, I remember we went and saw The Big Knife, directed by Joanne Woodward at the Nikos. And um, she was in the audience, and I remember her sitting up there with her assistant director, and they were taking notes. And I just remember being like, this place was really... I remember thinking, I'll be back. Like, I had that feeling, like, <laughs> I'll be back. And not to sound arrogant and whatnot, but they're just... I, I, I always had a very... 
specific. I was not somebody who experimented a lot. Wasn't somebody who has really ever gone through major moments where I'm confused about who I am. I'm not somebody who, growing up, like the the friends I've I've had since elementary school, this group of six of us, we have remained friends and oh are still dear friends now and are texting oh. all the time. It's really, really lucky. But I'm kind of, I'm definitely a turtle in that way. I'm a slow and steady, just kind of like on my path. And I kind of knew early on internally kind of what I was about, hmm. which is incredibly um, lucky because I know many friends, my siblings, they, you know, they, they perhaps have been exposed to different things and more than I have, but that struggle of like, what do I want to do? What do I like to do? That was never something that, that was never one of my struggles. I had other struggles, but that wasn't <laughs> one of them. So yeah, those sorts of things of, of having that sort of intuitive sense that my compass was leading me there felt right. And I was kind of t- tuned into some level of that pretty young. And obviously circumstances, chance, good fortune, uh, a high degree of privilege allowed me to get there. Um, but I, I was pretty, um, I get pretty set on things. Yeah. And, but I always kind of keep it close to my chest. I don't ever advertise. <laughs> I'm like, even to like, uh, but it's I like my own little smart, but you're well, like, like I, I know where this road is. Leading. Good. Well, it's like, <laughs> I think I do, but it's also like, I, there's a kind of, I also, there's a kind of, I like even living that way because <laughs> it's like, there's a part of me that still feels like a little kid that I'm like just imagining things yeah. and I'm like enjoying even just the, the process. anticipation. Yeah. And I'm even just enjoying the pure daydreamy aspect of mm. it. Like that brings me a lot of like, I sometimes I have things where it's like even parts that I don't get, I've already daydreamed about it. <laughs> so I'm actually like pretty cool with like, Oh, I already lived that out in my brain mm. in a good way. And I'm like, I'm kind of happy with the way that story ended. I'm, it's okay that I don't actually in reality do it, <laughs> which is like, sounds like I'm insane, but I think that's probably really useful as an actor because you know you're not going to get no, 95% no. of the roles Ed, you audition for. Any role, not this is not going to be totally true, but it seems to me that any role that I've ever really, really wanted, I've never gotten. Hmm. Is that true? That's Yeah. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. But like the ones where you feel like you have a real outside shot where like, I don't know anybody that's in this room. They don't know me. I really want this role. I really feel strongly. Never get those. And then the ones that I, the least, the ones that are, you know, never on your radar, are the ones you end up doing. And yeah. you're so grateful that they were the ones you ended or up doing. Or the one like that you f- don't really care about at first. Right. Or you didn't make the connection with how it would be good for you. Right. You're, yeah. That's when you get. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. That's also, that's really exciting. I like to be surprised Yeah. by, you know, yeah, I like to be surprised because there's a part, there's a lot of myself that doesn't let myself be surprised <laughs> because there's a part of me that's so sort of, as right. I was saying, like, I kind of have this, like, that's not myopic, but I, I've just been on the same path. Like the path that I'm on right now is the same path I was on since I was really young <laughs> and like, you know, in my own daydreaming yeah. sense. So... Can we talk a little bit about Miles for Mary? Sure. That you're doing right now? Sure. 
So I had Stephanie on way back at the beginning. I know she told me. I think she's episode two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said to me, I was like, I'm nervous. And she said, just breathe. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, well, you know, and she's so articulate. (laughs) Um, she came in with notes. <laughs> she did. Oh my gosh! Blow up her Stephanie. spot. Was very, oh, very good cute. for her. I don't know if she looked at the. I don't remember if she looked at them, but she was very organized. When oh she my came god. In with notes. Um, she's the best. So the listeners know Miles for Mary was already done at the Bushwick mm-hmm. Star last year. Yep. Last year. Uh, yeah. well, more than a 2016. Year? Yeah. Around the election. A little over a year. And it's a company called The Mad Ones that Stephanie's in. Mm-hmm. And are you an official part no. of the company? Okay. No, no, no. And, but they, they build these plays yeah. extremely collaboratively yep. over a long period of time. Yep. They develop these scripts together as an ensemble yep. from what I know about their process. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about your experience being involved in this yeah. one as like an outside artist totally. who got drafted. Oh my God, yes. I could, <laughs> and I'm, when I... in the process did you come in? And Yes. I mean, I'm like, so excited you're getting to do it again. Uh, thank you. I'm excited too, and I thank you. I was very, very lucky to be a, a part of this. It is, and it has been, for me, in my what I like to do. It's been pretty close to like a dream job. It's been super dreamy because um, it is so collaborative, and the company. So the Mad Ones. I know this just from getting to know them and also sitting in talkbacks with them, but they all met at the Actors Theatre Louisville at different years and sort of over time, not necessarily intentionally, but created a company. And I did see their first outing as a company. I don't know when this was, um, but I saw it. Is that at the new Ohio? I can't remember, but it was called Samuel and Alistair and the Robot Mm -hmm. War, something like that. I'm botching the name. I apologize. But I remember seeing it. It was a radio play. And it was based on a short story that Mark Bovino and Joe Cronut had written. And I thought it was spectacular. It was really well done, super imaginative. And I remember really being blown away by the performances. Stephanie, actually, in particular, she's excellent. And I, I just remember thinking this was really special. And then so years later, I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't actually seen anything else that they have made, but they've always been sort of on my radar and then a couple years ago nick stephanie's husband and i did a club thumb show together mm-hmm. i remember that yeah yeah which was really fun and so i got to talking to stephanie afterwards and asked her like what, do you, what are you guys doing all this stuff and she was like well we're working on a new piece involving like um uh tests of physical fitness or um putting your body physically through extreme situations like sports related and i was like "Ooh, that sounds really exciting to me because I grew up as a dancer first, and I really like... Which Stephanie was, too. Yes, and yeah. I and I really like physical theater. I really like dance theater. I like it when I can sweat on stage. Um, <laughs> so I was like, ooh, if ever you need... I was like, totally. I totally. Nice. I totally. And I don't, I'm not like that normally, <laughs> but I was like, I'm, I'm really not... I'm not somebody... It sounds like I'm like a wheeling wheel no, dealer, no, but I'm no. not. But I was like, that sounds really exciting, and I... And anyway, cut to like a couple months later. I don't even know. I get an email from Lila, the Neugebauer, who's sort of the director. Uh, she's also part of the company, saying, you know, we're, we've been creating this piece, and we think we need a couple of additional 
actors. We, we, our imagining of it is that it involves a few more characters. And she said, would you be game to come in and just sort of play with us? And it was very much like, you know, knowing very much that may or may not come to anything. And I was like, that's right. awesome. Absolutely. A hundred percent. This is so great. And then, and then, you know, they send, because it's the mad ones, they send a Dropbox full of material that they've created that is absolutely insane. <laughs> they've created this fictitious high school. They created um, care, students they thought were in it, um, even had pictures of, of like... Very in-depth. Uh, so in-depth. It was crazy. I was like... And also the premise of this about like, you know, you know planning meeting, meetings for an event. And it's like, ooh, this sounds... I'm intrigued because they're so smart. I'm going to trust them on this. But there was a part of me that's like, is this really going to be anything? Well, that's what's so cool about the piece. Right. They make these tedious-seeming planning meetings for this telethon really detailed and And I love that the sort of ordinary is incredibly profound and rich in their worlds. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so this is a very long answer to this question. But essentially, they invited a few of us to come in, and they... They told me they, I think this is Mark's wife, Ken's wife, and I think she teaches English. And then from that, you know, they gave me license to sort of create this person. And essentially, the way they were work is they would do series, just a series of improvs, which at first was like, this is my fucking nightmare. Like I can do physical like movement improvs, like totally my thing. But I'm like, I have to talk. hard for me too. I was like, this is like, 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 I'm like, oh my God. Oh, this is going to be really, really stressful. Um, <laughs> but actually ended up being great because they are a so kind, mm-hmm. B so organized and, uh, mm. C so like generous that I, it was just such a great environment. And, and I, again, I cannot stress it's been, it's been through, I'm sure there are years of, um, they've had their times trying to figure out how the how to work together and how to you know create work but I felt like I got to come in and experience them um probably at their most optimal and what was awesome and what's kind of cushy about my role in it is I would come in for the four hours of constructed time and just play and you know they'd be all very kind and generous and and all that stuff and they'd be like thank you so much Stacey be like great I'd leave and then they'd be there to kind of A, clean up the mess and sort out through all like the material. And edit. Yeah. So yeah. they had the, they had the, it was so nice to be in a room where I felt so taken care of, both um, in terms of my contributions, in terms of being really clear up front what the expectations were. And I, I, my time was really, they were able to work with my time, you know, uh, constraints and also, one of my favorite things about Lila is that she's really good about making sure someone's not at rehearsal for a second longer than they need to be, mm. which is just kind of an amazing skill set. But anyway, they were doing all this outside work and have to worry about how to create a piece, whereas I got to just benefit from all their hard, hard, <laughs> hard, hard, hard work. So I, um, I'm incredibly grateful, and also I am very much aware that I... You know, in that cast, I, I have the cushiest sort of thing that I get to, yeah, I get to reap the benefits of their incredible work, but I also had complete authorship of my role. So when we yeah. it would improv, 
they would record them and I don't know how many hours of recordings they went through and had to video recorder video audio. and audio mm. and they had they along with some interns I think literally transcribed every you know stutter every you know every little um in there is transcribed so when we got the first draft of like a Frankenstein script it was I didn't necessarily expect it to be my words but it ended up being everyone's words and I thought maybe they would you know write inspired by some of the things but they right. really edit it like almost like a film and they have these writer rooms that I would imagine is similar to maybe how a writer's room is on tv or film I don't know but it <laughs> seems like that it's a super collaborative a lot of time sitting around a table you know working that out so that was really cool it was really it's very re rewarding to feel like yeah I, I created this person but also what's funny about it and again this is also the thing that I'm a little insecure about being on this podcast right now is like <laughs> I'm like wow I'm inarticulate like I'm looking at the transcript I'm like this is not this is not really a character this is an actor panicking like I'm like this this doesn't make this isn't proper grip I do I speak no. English no but it is I'm not trying to sell myself short everybody else uh has a better <laughs> it's a lot clearer on the page than I am I'm like bless the person who looks at the script and and if because I think they're going to license it so that right. they can publish it. Try to figure out how to, how to. Yeah, that'll be fascinating. Yeah, so much of, you know, like you all have the backstory. Yeah, of how it, how those words were. Right, and all the different how they got to the page. Right, which is a super someone purchasing the play. Right. It's just like right, all they see is the written word. Right, and I'm saying to Joe, it makes for that's my husband. I was saying it makes for such a really fun performance experience because. You know, it takes a while to actually start having the thoughts, thoughts as a character, If even if you ever get there. Like, you kind of don't really know sometimes what it is internally that's getting you through, and eventually maybe you find some semblance of that. Right. But um, this time, it's amazing to be able to have so many thoughts going on, um, because it, yeah, because we've created it, and it's, we have a lot of backstory that didn't make it in, and... Yeah, and we got to live with it, and it's a, such a, such. Um, I'm so grateful to get to revisit it because that is also an incredibly rare thing. So everything about this show for me has been. I, I it's not lost on me how what a rare, special, experience it has been, and how grateful and that you know people want to see it and that it had a second life. That's such a nice thing to be able to do as an actor. Go back and be like, yeah. okay, let's we can we can deepen this and and yeah, also have time like this past year between we we did the first one we performed right after the election and and particularly the themes in this play, which is you know a group of people trying to do something ambitious together and doing something that they believe in, but the pitfalls of I suppose a democracy collaboration um, and there's like this sort of that the line in the play that gets set a lot is this idea of doing more do more um but after that election it was like it was amazing to sort of sit in that space together and me feeling like I should have done more um I need to do more in my life I need this is uh, and then to have this 2017 pass and to revisit this collaboration again there are certain gender politics in the play there are certain aspects of it passive aggressiveness certain power struggles that resonate differently hmm. and it's just it's just not it's an it's a it's that's the thing what I like about theater and performing is it's a filter 
it's a way to filter your life at a specific moment, depending on what you're working on. And it's a, it's a, in this lens right now is, it's a really nice lens to be able to examine different aspects of life, culture, society, collaboration, relationships. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful to that company for thinking of me and um, including me in their work. And I have nothing but incredible praise for the way that they work and how they treat each other, how they talk to each other. Mm. That's the other thing is I always, they're so professional, even though they're all incredibly close friends and they're so clear in their feedback and their thoughts and they're, they just, they just run a really good room. Yeah, yeah, I was I was thinking about that rewatching the play when we came to see it about yeah. how they have really like set up such a system for themselves yeah. to work where it could be chaos when you're starting from right. or you picture the parallel of what's happening in the play where there's all right. this passive aggressive right. and collaborating on something right. like oh is, did that ever happen in the process? Oh, but yeah. they've really found a way to, to yeah. avoid that. And that's what yeah, and that's also what's sort of special about this particular piece I think for them is I think it. I think, you know, these characters are sort of outsized versions of very strong parts of each one of us, I think. Mm. Like, uh, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> There's the, a little bit of examining what a process is. Yeah, I'm like, my, yeah. my character in this is not that far from how I would be. Because I have been on, I have worked for a non-for-profit. I have been in meetings that should have been 20 minutes that are two hours. Right, right, I right. would much rather just do it by myself than work through a committee. <laughs> and like, but you know, yeah. So it's, it's, um, I'm really, I'm really happy for them. Can we talk a little bit if you like about, um, how you've been dealing with the political climate (gasps) as an, as an artist or just as a human being? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) or ways you've found to be proactive. I don't know. I mean, that's the, mm, I sort of have a lot to say about that. I am a obnoxious user of social media and I have my own sort of battles with that in terms of understanding what that platform is and all the many, many ways in which it can help us and also betray us. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, how have I... I definitely... Ha- it's been motivating. That's, the, that's sort of the most... That's the headline for me. It's, I feel very motivated. And I feel very, I'm much more engaged, like I would imagine many of us are, than I have ever been. For me, a certain amount of the rage and anger and sometimes frustration, I can kind of, those feelings don't deplete me or exhaust me. They energize me sometimes. Mm. Um, I can have, I have a, I have a, I'm someone who can carry a big well of rage and, um, yeah. And like in a way where it's like, when I see things that I feel are, are unjust, I don't feel shy. I feel like I'm a pretty reserved, shy person, but if I ever see like things that feel abusive, especially with power structures, I, I don't care anymore about how small I am or even to the, to the extent you know, again, bringing up my husband, where he worries about me in situations like in the city where I have inserted myself. So Mm -hmm. in in that way, like I, it gets me very, I feel energized in some ways. That being said, I have been trying to figure out what 
what are the best uses of my energy? Because there's so much going on. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. There, it is. There's an overwhelming, it's overwhelming. Every day it's overwhelming. And it's so easy to um, just, yeah, just get overwhelmed and not know how to put one foot in front of the other to actually make the change. And I don't even know what that looks like. But what I do know right now is that I've, this year we have met once. I've had some friends over to my apartment and this was a friend of mine who really got this together but was like okay let's have a space where we can come together and we can talk about things that we know kind of share information and kind of try to as a group help each other do some concrete things like I've been since the election I've been really good and diligent about calling my representatives on a weekly regular daily sometimes basis mm-hmm. um, I've written the letters I've done the faxes I've sent the postcards I don't know. I, I'm not really in the mindset of questioning whether or not that's doing anything. I think, I think the the actual doing of it is useful and important. It is our right, and they do respond. I have gotten some nice letters back from the offices of my representative, Congressman Joel Crowley. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. But like, how does that work? And for me, right now, it's it's trying to focus on the midterms elections, what it means to, uh, what voting is like in our areas, what voting is like nationally, statewide. And it's pretty, that's to me the most important part is that the issue of, um, voter suppression, voting rights, um, how we can make voting easier, more accessible, more palatable, more exciting, more necessary, I would like to, I'm just putting this out into the ether, I would like to be able to volunteer my services in my car to help people, I don't know where, if they need help to get to the booths, or if they need someone to watch their kids, I'll watch their kids. Like I would like to be able to do something on that front, and I'll try to work my way there in the coming months, thinking about how I can actually do that. But anyway, I'm, I'm this other, um, I don't know if you know Oliver Butler. He's, I don't. He's a director, and he he's part of the company, um, the Debate Society. He and I actually don't know each other, but I know him through social media. And he's someone who has been very, uh, whether he knows it or not, has been very <laughs> um, inspiring to me in terms of his activism. And he does this thing. Again, I don't know the efficacy or how effective some of this stuff is, but he has been holding these texting workshops as a way of text adv- advocacy, a way of reaching out to mm. people. I guess I don't know who how he gets these lists or who and what the issues are, but it's basically another way to communicate and saying, so I'm going to host one of those at my house um, where he'll teach us what that is and what that means and what that looks like. The other thing in terms of like the political climate (laughs) is there's other, I mean, I'm pretty passionate about it for a variety of reasons because there's so much about it that is so deeply troubling to our democracy. But the other thing is, is I've always been a lifelong American history. What's the word? Lover is not the right word. But that's actually what I majored in in college. Okay. And part of the romantic version in my mind of going to the East Coast for a liberal arts education and going to Brown was, you know, this is where so much of the formation uh, like I'm passing by a building where John Brown, like 17, you know, that's on the, that's on the building. Um, try that the experiment and the democratic experiment of this country is something that excites me very much. Yeah. And I feel very passionate about, 
And right now it's, uh, it's in a serious crisis from the top yeah. down and from the bottom up. And, uh, well, maybe not the, but it's, it's, a, it's an important time that we're in. And I think the, the implications of it, we don't, I mean, we can't even begin to imagine, um, or be able to foresee because we've never quite experienced anything like this. But all that being said, I, I feel really passionate. I feel really engaged. I have a very strong uh, convictions about wanting to preserve our democracy and wanting to see it work and wanting people in positions of power um, who are elected by the people to respect those institutions, to respect um, the American people. And right now, it, that just doesn't seem to be happening. Um, all that being said, the other thing that's developed is I have an incredible... I've developed TMJ in the last year pretty seriously. Where oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not alone. The dentist I went to says, oh, you're not alone. I've had more people come in with jaw pain. Um, yeah, like that's minor compared to the lives. It's been stressful. It's so stressful. But like, and my life has been, you know, pretty, you know, I haven't felt the impact in ways many, many, many people have. But yeah, like I... I, yeah, now when I act on stage, you'll see me rubbing my jaw because it hurts so much. Um, yeah. And it's like, this stuff is real. The stress is real. The, there is, it is intense. What's happening is, re is real. And I think we all in some ways need to find what, what engagement and, and being part of what civics means to us, what community means to us, what, uh, being a citizen means to us. And, um, that's, uh, that I don't know the answers to yet, but I, I know that I know that I'm I'm engaged. And another aspect of that, I know mean, I feel like I'm going on, but this is like when I'm impassioned. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> it's like the 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 night of the election for me. How this manifested in terms of personal action uh -huh. and going back to uh, acting and the craft and the art and theater was as the returns were coming in. I don't know. Was this eight thirty nine? I I just remember like. I was just like, this looks horrible. This, and I went to bed, I turned off the TV. I'm like, this is, this is not going well. This is, we're, we're done. Because in my mind, I remember when the, when Mitt Romney and the, I remember getting that, uh, it felt like really early that we were able to say, Barack Obama will remain our president. But the fact that that wasn't, it was so close. I was like, this is a disaster. So I didn't sleep all that night. Like I think I imagine a lot of people in this, this country. And I, I was just up all night and I felt traumatized, but I also felt like, okay, I felt like, okay, I'm okay. If, if, if what just happened happened, and this is what's happening, <laughs> if and I kept going, getting flashes to the debate, I'm like, if someone like Hillary Clinton, say what you will about her, but she is an accomplished, incredibly smart qualified member of our society is sharing a stage with I, I don't even I'm, I'm almost I, I feel at a loss for words to describe his behavior his what comes out of his mouth uh what he stands for I was what was empowering is like you know what fuck this no one has any more excuses no one should feel bad especially women we shouldn't ever feel like we can't say anything because you know what? 
like that we have, we're not qualified. We're not qualified because yeah. what do we, I mean? Because what, what do we have to lose? We have nothing to lose anymore. That's how I felt. I was like, I have nothing to lose anymore. I don't. I, I actually started writing a letter to uh, Oscar Eustace, mm-hmm. and he was a professor at Brown when I was there. I took his uh-huh. dramaturgy class. We did. I, you didn't know, we didn't know each other very, you know, well. Um, and then at NYU, the public had a course, this collaboration course with directors, actors, and playwrights at NYU. So, I mean, we sort of knew each other, but I, I've long admired his values and, um, uh, in terms of his th- values in the theater. And so anyway, I had done a piece, uh, I had done a piece that I felt very strongly about that I would like to see move forward. And there were lots of themes in this piece that um, so much resonated with what was happening that I wrote him a letter and I was just, I, I just sort of described what I felt like the present moment was and why I felt like this piece could be really important. And it was a female driven piece. Anyway, Long story short, I ended up meeting with him, and you know, discussions ensued and whatnot. But I felt incredibly empowered from that moment on. That it's like I'm not gonna sit on, I'm not gonna wait, wait. I'm not gonna wait, and I'm not gonna not speak up. Yeah, I'm not gonna not speak up about things that I feel passionate about. I'm not gonna not speak up when I see things that I think are not okay. And I'm going to trust and value myself, my experience, and my point of view in ways that I've struggled with, especially as an actor. And just be like, you know what? We all know more than we think we know. And we all have to start giving ourselves a lot more credit and empowering ourselves and not not doing things that make us feel smaller or unable or why, why well, what if, you know, it's just, it's just it's just too crazy out there. <laughs> it's just too crazy. Well, we talked, we touched on some of this at the beginning, but are there any mm-hmm. other concrete things that you reach for when you're having a really dark day or an uninspired day, like something you reread or yeah. place you go or something? Yeah. 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 I think, um, something that I've tended to do is I, I, t- I do some sort of crafting. Nice. Mm-hmm. With your hands. Yeah. Like, um, for right now <laughs> uh, it's been felting. I don't know if you know oh, what that is. I know what it is. I've yeah. Done it. Well, uh, is that that's like making your own felts? Mm-hmm. We're making things out of felt. Making things out of felt. Out of felt. Okay. okay. So yeah, again, like the walking, this ticks many boxes for me at the moment. It. My friend <laughs> Kelly, who um, I went to grad school with, who was a couple years older, dear friend, has now become um, a teacher in the New York public schools and teaches theater to special ed students. She's an incredible human being. She gave me the Christmas present of a starter felting kit because she has done it before and she uh-huh. said Stacy no you're gonna love it and, that, and I was like I don't know but essentially what you do is you take this wool and you stab it with a sharp needle <laughs> which the stabbing motion Very accumulates into a solid structure and so I'm sitting there stabbing this wool <laughs> but hours and again it takes hours and some bloody fingertips and uh, some broken needles but if I persist I will have made a really cute mouse or I will have made a little bunny. So it like, it's both therapeutic, but I also get something really like that makes me delighted. Even if it's a little strange looking, I'm, I hope to get better at it. Um, so oh, that's, that's something adorable. that I've been doing. 
because I do like my creatures a lot. Um, and then the other, but the, the craft that I do come back to um, time and time again is we were talking about the fact that I throw away journals, but I keep um, I keep letters and cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom is someone who um, she's a person who makes everything really beautiful, <laughs> and um, she always sends the most beautiful cards. This has been true all throughout my life. When I was younger, I used to write my grandparents who lived in upstate New York uh, letters, and they would write me letters. And so I've kept cards from like college, from friends, and all that stuff because oftentimes they're just so beautiful. The the, the card itself, what's written, and also the the actual image on it that I'm like I can't throw this away. So I've ha- I've had these lots of boxes of that, and then I also really I do love beautiful papers. Yeah. Yeah, and like um, so I've kept those things over the years. So I have sort of these these funny boxes so a couple years ago I decided to be like well what am I going to do with this there's just taking up space so I've sort of repurposed it and I make these sort of little collage boxes (laughs) like I take a jewelry box or the best is like an iPhone box that kind Uh of like and I will usually it's with someone in mind but I or uh or maybe a starting image in mind but I will take different pieces from different cards or papers or just various things, or even like dried leaves or glitter, like, and make um, these sort of three-dimensional boxes. That sounds it sounds gaudy, and they are a little crazy, but <laughs> it's it's I it's that kind of collage aspect. That to me is a that kind of medium makes intuitive sense to me, and it's also kind of how I am when I work on like. Uh, play to um it's mm. very sort of like I'll take a little of this take a little of that yeah and just like kind of you know compose various disparate elements into something and usually it's with something in mind and I've given them to friends they're a little silly and but um I really enjoy the th- sort of the thoughts and the m- I enjoy configuring them that's something that I, I love really doing that sort of thing too. And yeah. Frankie always calls it my macaroni. Like yeah. if I give him a gift that's like macaroni. Photos pasted together. Oh my God. Like I love that. I macaroni present. I do. I mean, yes. What's wrong with it? I, there's nothing I wrong it. with it. And Joe's done his version of macaroni presents for me, and they're my favorites. <laughs> like they're, yeah. And it, yeah, no, it's, they're just to make them. And to see the thought behind them, I, yeah. I get really and into it. And that's kind of meditative, too, the sort yeah. of crafts where you're working with your hands or baking or stuff like that where right. you're like, has something to do, true. but your mind can wander. Right. And what I like about it, too, is there's there's a story going on in my mind yeah. um, as to why, the, why these things relate in ways that perhaps the, somebody looking at it wouldn't know that that was from the card from my grandma and this actual design from this paper is actually mm-hmm. um, something that you know was her favorite colors or um, stuff like that and it's, it's a way to me to actually interface with these collections that I've, I've kept um, without feeling like they're useless so that's something that I, I, I like to do and can spend hours doing um, that kind of make me feel like I've accomplished something and have had some creative um, uh, I've made some creative decisions. Yeah, <laughs> some for your day, for my day. But yeah, and it's also something very much that it, it, that's very much the, my mom and me. She's someone who has those tendencies, so mm. it, it also makes me feel very much kind of connected with her in a way that I'm 
operating yeah. in, in the Joan Yen sphere. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then the final question, I don't know, since you've been in performance mode, uh-huh. if you've seen anything recently that you want to recommend. Well, yeah. Hmm. Have I seen anything? Of any art form. It doesn't yeah. have to be a show. It could, live show. It could be something else. Well, I did just see Lady Bird. And like I said, it was funny while I was watching it because, you know, there's so much, it's receiving so much praise. And I think it, rightfully so but I guess there was Did a part overhyped a little I was bit like, like as I was as I was watching I'm like is this overhyped I can't really tell but I also couldn't be objective because it was in my backyard <laughs> and I was crying and I'm not a big crier like uh like I think I can count on one hand the movies that made <laughs> me cry but I was like I had tears because I I, I really did it really spoke to me um very personally so I can't really be objective but I, from what other people are saying, it's a very good movie. Um, and I experienced it as a very good movie, but again, I, not in I, the objective way. Yeah, I was pretty moved by it. Yeah. and I There was, was a lot of really relatable things. And just that mother-daughter relationship and those moments where they turn on a dime. Right. Oh, and yes. Like they're fighting in the dress store, and then they find the dress, and they're both excited about the dress like right. two seconds I later. I love that. It's like, ugh. And it's that passive-aggressive thing. And that, yeah, and it, you know what, too, I think that movie also... In the last, this, like last night, actually, I didn't sleep last night. Um, I had one of those nights where I was, couldn't get comfortable and therefore my mind was going. And yeah. I, it, I ended up in the place where I sometimes get where I think about my parents. Mm. And I think about how old they are, being yeah. in their mid-late 70s. And then sort of realizing, gosh, my grandparents who I adored and I was very close to, I still can't believe they're gone, but they've been gone for a while. And they're approaching the age. Right. And I'm just, and like... I just get very, every once in a while, I'll have out of nowhere, it seems like these, and then always at night in my bed, you know, that I have these sort of quiet moments of sort of anxiety and deep sadness of how much I miss my parents. Um, I mean, they live on the West Coast. Yeah, that's hard to live on the complete opposite yeah, side of the country. Yeah, and also like, and time is moving rapidly, it feels like to me. Anyway, but I think some of that feeling was spurred by, uh, probably a little bit uh, from Lady Bird in terms of the familiarity of being dropped off the Sacramento airport and going to college. And my relationship with my mom wasn't, isn't like the Lori Metcalf relationship, but I recognize the parts of, oh, the, the amount of love that you have that it's hard to express in always the most loving way. Yeah. And, um, and all she does is want to do, you know, the best for her daughter and the best for their family. But anyway, I thought Laurie Metcalf was, as she always is, was phenomenal. So good. And the scene with, uh, there was a scene with her and Tracy Letts where she's coming in with, uh, the, the mom and daughter are fighting and she, she says to the dad, like, you know, kind of chime in and he turns around in his swivel chair and he's playing solitaire. I mean, I was like, I was just like, I found that so funny. I was like, that's such a, tr- so true. That and the other thing that came to mind when you said, um, wasn't super recently, but I saw um, uh, the band's visit. Yes, did you see it as well? Yeah, yeah, and I really, really liked it. I really, I, I don't see a lot of musicals, um, but I really loved the way in which the music kind of came to you and wasn't pushed on you. Yeah, I didn't have any expectations going in. Right, it was, it was kind of a lovely surprise. Yeah, and I felt like it was so. There was a certain ease. Mm-hmm to the performance and to the whole, and I think it has to do obviously with the, the idea that they're in a town where nothing happens. Yeah. 
so I felt like the way in which the music and the performers and the piece engaged with that sensibility of a place where, yeah, nothing happens was incredibly, I thought, moving, poignant. And I really, uh, I really love the way the actors physically embodied it. Um, and I thought there was some, just some great, funny, painfully true, um, characters and work in that. So I, I really enjoyed that. Cause again, I had no expectations going in. Yeah. And I think it's still running. Yeah. I think it's still yeah. running. So yeah, people can go see that. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. And, <laughs> and she, then I need to, I don't know that actress's name. Is it Katrina Lank? Is that it her name? Be. I know she's extraordinary. She's- I, I, I hadn't remembered seeing her in anything before Indecent, I where she like that. blew me away. <gasps> I and then know. she was great in this. Yeah, too. I know. I, I watch her do it. And Indecent's, again, one of those m- many, many things that uh, I didn't seize the opportunity to go. You should s- just go to the Premier Arts Library sometime. I should. There's actually there's, watch it. there's so much that I should watch. Yeah. And the other thing I will say oh. about things that I recommend, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily things that can you go see now, but the, the thing that I always, once or twice, mm, a couple times a year, I'll go see an incredible dance show, and usually it's at BAM because it's, they usually bring in the international companies that I'm, I'm really a fan of. But for me personally, I going to see like the Netherlands Dance Theater, Pina Bausch, or mm-hmm. Hofe Schechter, or Batsheva, like that, the integration of music, movement, the yeah. design, like that synergy incredible. is so incredible. And I often am like, oh. Like I, I, I miss that sometimes in the theater. Like I've seen things that have been so suspenseful or have like, just like took my breath away in a way that I, I don't, I don't have a, a similar experience when I go see theater. And it's like, that's another long-term pursuit is like that somehow wrangling some of that mm. into um, some of the, the work that maybe I I pursue or, or something. Yes. I don't know, but I, that's that, that that to me is always like a great reset. Yeah. Seeing seeing something at BAM. Mm. Yeah. Stacy, thank you so much. <laughs> this made my day. That is such a delight. Oh, thank that's you. really nice. Thanks. For <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's not a bitch to cut this together. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.